Amen. Just a glimpse into the heart of the psalmist in, in Psalm 42, he, where that psalm starts with, as the deer pants for the water, the psalmist makes that the declaration that my tears have been my food day and night. Amen. Let's open to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, you'll find that on page 1344. We're going to, I think, uh, bid farewell to our little mini-series on the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know, it's uh, been been kind of wonderful and uh, just such a blessing. And my plan was initially was to just uh, spend seven weeks doing it, but who knows, I might be able to squeeze another week in there before we start Connect Group. Seems like any one of these uh, ministries of the Spirit, we could. Uh, I, I never feel like I, I said enough about any of them. It's just so remarkable and amazing in so many different ways that uh, it just leaves me uh, like a deer panting for water, wanting more of what God has to say. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to look tonight at the uh, Spirit empowered heart how the ministry of the Spirit of God will empower and encourage our heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your good word, Lord. Thank you for its perfection and inerrancy, God. And we receive it tonight as a gift for us. And Lord, we know that for it to come to bear upon our lives, we need you to give us ears to hear. So uh, thank you for each one gathered here tonight. May our, our thirsty, longing hearts find uh, nourishment at your glorious, ever-flowing well of living water. So, Father, help us tonight to hear from you, to be transformed by you, and God then to return and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there is just no way to, to put your head around uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, you know, when, when I'm reading something Paul wrote, I mean, last week we were in Romans 8, and you know, I could just get totally, completely lost forever in Romans 8. And then tonight, really primarily, we're going to look at one sentence. And, it, and it's just um, how Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is able to, to put all this in one sentence is just totally astonishing. But read with me in, in Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verse 14. The Apostle Paul says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, how do you even begin to wade into that sentence? I mean, that is astonishing. That's so good that you just back away and say, it's so good, I don't know what he's saying, but it's got to be good. That is a phenomenal statement that God gives us. And... Yeah, I, I want you to sort of begin to get your head around this by first uh, noticing where Paul 
begins before he says this. Look at the last verse of the previous section in verse 13. Look at what he says in verse 13 that leads us up to this. He says, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you. So Paul is, he makes this unbelievable prayer to people who are discouraged and, and their heart is, is, uh, is faint. They're weary and they're struggling and they're suffering. And so the Apostle Paul is really speaking this or praying this for uh, a, a hurting, suffering heart. And that's, uh, that's really such a common experience in our life that we get discouraged, we get down, we get faint, we get weak, we get weary, we struggle. And we need encouragement. We need strengthening. We need to be uplifted. We, I mean, and this isn't, this isn't a weekly or monthly, or, but this is a daily, sometimes multiple times in the course of one day that you and I will find ourselves uh, needing encouragement and needing to be lifted up and needing to uh, be reminded of certain things. And that's what Paul is, is bringing to bear on us in this statement. Now, with regards to what we were talking about this morning, it was amazing to me that as I was thinking through uh, all the, the nuances of spiritual or, or covenant friendship, all the times that my, uh, my studies were crossing between these two messages, that over and over they kept weaving together. I kept, I mean, I found both of these uh, topics illustrated in Acts chapter 20 when Paul goes to Tyre, which is a city where there was a congregation of believers uh, towards the end of Acts 20 where, that Paul had never been to before, didn't plant that church, didn't know those people. And in the spirit, they, they make this incredible bond together. And so I was just noticing how how the Spirit was was encouraging Paul and yet bringing this covenant friendship to bear on with him and other believers. I also noticed that in 1 Samuel chapter 23, we see uh, a similar instance where uh, when you get to the 23rd chapter of 1 Samuel, you find David in this excruciatingly low point in his life. He's been called to be... Uh, the king, he's been anointed as king, and yet he's on the run. Saul's trying to kill him, and he's not on the run for days. He's not on the run for weeks, but it just goes on and on and on. And he's just, he's beat down, and he's discouraged, and he's he's thinking, you know, he's frustrated, and 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 I can relate. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes and think, well, well, God, I mean, who who call who anoints somebody to be king, and then just leaves them out in the wilderness running for their life and just seems like, you know, you've just forgotten me out here. And I mean, this is just terrible. And what happens is, if you remember uh, that Jonathan, the Scripture says in verse 16, then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. I mean, that's an astonishing statement. Here David is just utterly done. At the brink of just giving up. And then Jonathan comes and strengthens his hand in God. And the Bible says, And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall, and, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. Notice how he encourages him. And he says, So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his house. 
And it just goes on. Now, you know, you see that here's David, a man after God's own heart. Here's the great David who, who needs to be encouraged. And I read that and I think about that and I think about this this bond. If you just look at just what I just read, you look at that passage of Scripture and you realize here's a friendship that has such commonality that their their destination is the same. In other words, they're going in the same direction. You see that from what they said, just like I said this morning? They're going in the same place. They have the same priority. They're moving together. And yet there's this incredible encouragement, encouragement in the, in the friendship between the two. And he, he's encouraged by the hand of God. Now, the hand of God, the the, the Spirit of God, the, the hand of God within him that is just lifting him up and, and encouraging him. And so Paul here is going to uh, speak to us a little bit about this, but I want us to, to notice some, some key things about this passage of Scripture. First of all, I want you to see the, how God cooperates in this amazing endeavor. Now, look at, look at your Bible, and I want you to look beginning in verse 14, and I want you to make note of some things. You can highlight this in your Bible. Make note of this. For this reason, he says, I bow my knee to the Father. You want to notice the Father's there. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. So you've got the Father and you've got the Spirit and the inner man. That Christ. So now you've got the Son. You've got all of the, the representatives of the triune God cooperating in this strengthening endeavor, this strengthening ministry that we're going to talk about tonight. And so when we feel uh, just faint of heart, when we feel uh, that we're, we're overwhelmed, we're in need of of strength in our inner self that we're just struggling and we're, we, you can't seem to, to put one foot in front of the other. You can't seem to make sense of what's going on. I want you to see that God is in the, in the, the power of the Trinity. It's not that, it's not that if it was only one, it wouldn't be amazing and fully God and, and capable of doing all things, but just the reality of the, the triune God being represented here, I think, uh, bears, uh, us to at least make note of this. And then what is the result of this cooperation? What is the result of all of this uh, effort being brought to bear on us? He says in verse 19, the result is to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So what's going on here is that something is happening with the Father and the Spirit and the Son, and that the result of this is to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. The result of this strengthening is a deeper understanding of Christ's great love for us. Now, I'll give you a simple illustration of how this truth works in a, in a much smaller way. I was having a conversation. It was, it's amazing where I'll be meditating on a scripture like this, just thinking about over and over and over in my mind, just thinking about, you know, what, what's, 
What's going on here? What are you, what are you trying to say, Lord? And in the midst of all that, one of the graces that God will oftentimes bring about in my life is just, just real life illustrations of what I'm meditating upon. So I'm thinking about this exact passage of scripture. I'm having a conversation with a, a dear sister and she's just absolutely frustrated to no end. And she's pouring her heart out to me and she's just saying, she's saying, pastor, I mean, I am just, I'm just low. And what was happening was uh, she, her relationship with her mother is extraordinarily strained. In fact, that's being politically correct. It's, it's a catastrophe. It's a train wreck. There's so much strife between her and her mom that it's unbelievable. All they do is butt heads and argue and fight and they can't see eye to eye. And yet both of them are believers. And yet it's just terrible. They have a terrible relationship. And so she's just absolutely broken. She's tried uh, everything under the sun that, you know, and I've uh, everything that, that I would say, you know, maybe you can do it. Well, I've already done that. It didn't work. And, and her her premise to me was basically there's nothing I can do that's going to please my mom. There's no there's no way that I could ever live up to her expectations that no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, even if I go along with and she's telling me some of the, uh, you know, some of the discussions. And of course, I'm only hearing one side of the story, but still the things that she's telling me are pretty outlandish in expectations. And yet she's saying, even if I were to do those, which are completely ridiculous, she, it's still not going to be good. And she just think up more things. I mean, I can't win. And so this goes on for about 20 minutes. And I'm realizing pretty swiftly that I don't have any magic solution to this problem. And I think about this passage of Scripture. And I said, well, think about this. I said, I realize that you're beyond frustrated. And I realize that there's no, uh, there's just no common ground. And that this has been going on for months and months and months. And you're just, you know, it's, and it's just terrible. And you hate it. And she hates it. And yet you just keep on. And it's, it's, and I, I get that. But have you ever considered the fact that the reason behind why your mom does the things that she does. I mean, it's a grown woman. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference, which you all know that. I've said that a thousand times. The opposite of love is to do nothing, to just not care. That is the ultimate rejection. That is the ultimate void of love. And I said, why is your mom so overbearing? Why is she so seemingly just relentless upon you? And she said, I don't know if I could answer that. I And I said, it's because she loves you. She may not be expressing it in the way that she should be. It may not be 
coming across the way it needs to. But she's engaging you continuously because she cares and because she loves you. And instantaneously, a smile came onto this scowl that I've been looking at for 25 minutes. Not that I didn't solve any problem. They were still just as much at odds as they were the, the, when she walked in the door. But the reality, just the reminder, just the, the, to re-engage with the fact that you're right. My mom loves me. And that's why she does the things she does. Brought a smile to her face. See, that is the power of love. Now think about if that simple statement has that impact, then what about what Paul is talking about? What about the love of Christ? What about when we're in our darkest moments and suddenly we're empowered through this reminder of the degree to which Christ loves us? And you see, this is the one of the amazing ministries of the Holy Spirit in the lives of, his, of, of believers is that He works to strengthen us when we need strength. And the strength comes in the form of a deeper knowledge and understanding of the great love that Christ has for us. Now, notice that there, there's some things in here that should cause you to have pause for a second. I mean, you have to think through some of this. Look at verse 17. Paul says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, well, well first of all, the word dwell. When you see the word dwell in, in your Bible, that could be one of two Greek words that are translated dwell. There's uh, one weak word, one weak verb, and one very uh, intense and strong word for dwell. And one of them means sort of to inhabit or to, um, you know, to, to stay temporarily. It's kind of like you, you, when you rent a cabin, you would dwell in that cabin for a while. It's not a real uh, strong word. It just simply means like you're passing through. A lot of times you'll see that when we're, we're aliens and strangers that uh, earlier in chapter two of Ephesians, that word is used to describe us as passing through that this is not our home. But this word is the very strong word that means to occupy permanently or, or to possess ownership of. This is a, this isn't a dwelling where, you know, you're dwelling for the time being or you happen to be dwelling at the moment. This is a permanent dwelling. This is more like an indwelling. This is a, there is a, an ownership involved here. And so when Paul says that Christ may dwell in your hearts, the first thing to understand is that Christ's intention is not to be in your life. Christ's intention is to be your life. Okay, that, so Paul is, is just driving this point home that this is a permanent, uh, dwelling that has been, that, that, that ownership has, there's been a transaction to facilitate this dwelling. But to have Christ dwell within you, well, that's, that's to be a Christian. In other words, Paul is writing to Christians, right? 
So he's talking to believers in Ephesus and he's, he's talking to them. And, and clearly, um, the scripture teaches that to, for, for, for Christ to dwell within you, it means that you're a Christian. And so if he's talking to Christians, then why would he say that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith when that's already so? Consider what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2. He says, For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. So Paul says in Colossians 2 that you're already complete in Him. And yet here, he's praying for believers to have Christ dwell within them. So the question is, is Paul here praying for something that's already true? I mean, how do we make sense of this? What's going on? Why, why does Paul pray this for believers when, well, why am I trying to encourage you with this tonight when the Spirit already dwells within you? Well, it's one thing to have money in the bank, and it's another thing to make a withdrawal, right? I mean, it's, it's one thing. You can, you, can, you can own something of great value. You, you can own a, a rare, exotic uh, car worth a, a million dollars. But then when you're showing it to somebody and they say, oh, I bet this thing, it's just fantastic to drive it. And you say, well... I don't know. I've never driven it. So you can possess something and yet never experience it. You could be, you could possess a billion dollars but live in poverty. You see? So what Paul is saying in Colossians and what the Scripture is declaring is that we possess, we're complete. We, we don't need any extra, we don't need a, a, another baptism in the Spirit. We don't need another level of, of spirituality. We possess everything that we need, we possess currently. But, that, but what Paul is praying here is that we might experience that which we possess. Which is what, that's what I want. That's what you should want. We want to we hunger and thirst. We want to we pant after all that we possess. We want to we grab hold of and, and, and know through epinosis, through experience, that which we possess. So when he says that we're going to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, what he's saying is, is that the, the spirit that's within us will then strengthen us in our hearts, in our inner man. For what reason? That we may know Christ's personal love for us. So think of it this way. Jesus' love is boundless. In other words, Paul here is praying that there would be this, this strengthening, which is a ministry of the Holy Spirit, which you possess 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every millisecond of every moment of your life in Christ, you possess the Spirit of God within you. So now get this. 
the spirit that you possess in you, one of the ministries that he performs in you is strengthening your heart, strengthening your inner man, that, that you don't lose heart when you're discouraged, when you're bewildered, when you're frustrated, when you're beat down, when you don't understand, when you need help, when you need encouragement right there inside of you is way a billion times better than your pastor telling you that your mom is acting crazy, but really it's because she loves you, which can encourage your heart. Or someone can come up, a Jonathan can come into your life and say, listen, I know that you're bummed out, I know that you're struggling, but I want you to know I love you, or I want you to know that I I believe it's going to be okay. or whatever. And that's all good and wonderful and great, but the Spirit, But God himself inside of you says he'll come and strengthen your heart and do so by drawing you to the boundless love that Jesus has for you. Now, this isn't a one time occurrence. In other words, this is a lifelong progressive sanctification experience. In other words, the the point I'm trying to make here is that you and I. We together, we have the opportunity every moment of every day of our lives to plumb the depths of the love that God has for us and never reach the bottom. I mean, think about this. That tonight, if we could, if we had some scale and we could somehow measure your understanding of Christ's love for you, you do understand that tonight, We'd be all over the map, even in this room. I mean, you, you couldn't imagine where we'd be on a Sunday morning. But even in this room tonight, be all over the map. Some of you in this room have a far deeper understanding than others. And what I'm trying to tell you is it doesn't matter how deep you are. It doesn't matter how far you've been. You never hit bottom. Never. That you, you haven't even begun to explore the depths of the love that God has for you in Christ. Just think that through. Think of how, think of what the enemy does when you're where David was. Think of what the enemy says to you when you're down and discouraged. How he begins to try to convince you that uh, how alone you are and how pathetic you are and how ashamed you should be of the struggles that you're facing and the things that you are uh, going through and how it must be a result of God's great displeasure with you and so on and so forth it goes. And you know how lonely that feels? Because I do. You know how lonely it feels to be in a place where you just, you just feel like the world is just careening down like an avalanche upon you and you just think there's no end to where you're going to... Well, how am I ever going to see my way through this? And in that moment, what I'm telling you is that what this sentence is declaring is that in that moment, where you feel the most alone, the most helpless, the most just beyond any capacity to understand how this is ever going to work out 
the Spirit is available in that moment to yield in your heart, inside of you. You you don't need another person. That inside of you, the Spirit of God will begin to minister to your heart and remind you of the depths of God's personal love for you in Christ. That the Son of God loves you. You, just you, not you in a room full of people, not you and a bunch of other people, not you through other, just you personally in the darkest, most personal, lonely, deep moment of right there. He loves you and the spirit of God ministers to your heart, reminding us that no matter how many times we've we've turned to God and said, help me here, help me. No matter how deep our understanding may be, we haven't even begun. It's like we're, we're cast into the middle of the ocean and just swim in the grace of God that bears down upon our lives. This is why Paul uses this crazy language. He's trying to express something. It, it almost reminds me of, of John trying to wrap his head around what he sees when he has a vision of heaven. I mean, notice what, look back at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Look at what Paul says there. Paul says that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. You see, he he doesn't even, he can't say just power. He says it is an exceeding greatness of his power that is towards us. And then you just go down to chapter 2, verse 7. And then Paul's going to say again that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That he, he's, he's stretching here. He's trying to find ways to get, to get us by the time we get to chapter three, verse 14 and following. He's, he's been trying to set us up to, to think way outside of our human box. To realize that these aren't, these aren't quantifiable amounts of of love, of power, of grace. They're they're limitless. They're exceeding. They're beyond your capacity and my capacity. And these are what is what what Paul is laying out on a silver platter. And he's saying you are you can dine right off of this right here. You can have this right here. Anytime you want it. Here it is. So finally I just want to draw your attention to one thing. I, I really just try to devote myself to just say what needs to be said about this sentence and then just leave it. Because I, I, I feel like there's, there's so much here that in a multitude of information we might lose what God desires to say to you and me tonight because I know for a fact that this may be a truth that some of you may need before you fall asleep tonight. And so I want to help you. I want to encourage you. And I want you to notice 
that in this entire passage of Scripture, I, I I want you to just go back and let's look at verse 14 and let's just read this one more time. And I, and I want you to see that there's not what's here, but what's not here. Now let's hear one more time. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ with which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know what's not in there? There's not one imperative in that whole statement. There's not one command in that whole statement. That statement is not true for you if you do a certain thing. It's true for you because you are a certain thing, which is His. In other other words, you've got to, you've got to, before you can walk out of here tonight and just let this settle on your heart, because I know the, the, the wily nature of our enemy and the things that he's going to try to bring to bear on your heart and try to discourage you with. And one of those things is going to be, well, you know, have you, have you lived up to? Have you, have you done all the things that you need to do to be able to take advantage of this truth? Have you, are, are you, are you spiritually in a place where this is going to work for you? Listen, there's not an imperative in here. Not one. It is merely just a declaration. This is just a, a prayer that Paul is praying. And I mean, Paul is, is praying for people that he's concerned that they're losing heart, that they're getting discouraged, that they're bewildered, they're in it, they're getting fall into a dark place. He's praying for them, and he is praying extraordinarily earnestly for them. And he's so he's laying this truth out on them. Instead of coming to them and saying, Now here's the things you need to do. He says, Well, here's here's what's true. Here's what's true for you. You notice that he says, I, I bow my knees. You know, you hear Jesus in the New Testament saying that when you, when you stand and pray, you pray this way. That in first century culture, prayer was standing. Rarely was prayer on bended knee. Paul is pointing out the reality that he is he is petitioning God that we me and you tonight might take this in our heart might receive this truth that that he is praying for us as believers that when we get discouraged we wouldn't begin to play some silly game that if we, we need to do this or we need to do that or we need to... No. The only qualification here 
is that you're a believer. That's it. You know, if you had to sum up the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if you, if you had to go back over the course of these seven messages and pull it all together and say, now what, what, is, the, what is the ultimate purpose of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's children? I think the best way to express it would be that we might treasure Christ. That what He does in our lives is he, he works and ministers in such a way that our response is to treasure Christ. Tonight, what we're seeing is that He wants us to plumb the depths of the love that God has personally for us and that He's going to do that in, his, uh, in, our, in our hearts. And it's the same way that we heard last week in our prayer ministry. It's the same way in the fruit-bearing ministry. It's the same way in the sealing ministry. It's the same way over and over and over that, that you step away from the reality of what the Spirit of God is doing and you, you realize certain things. You realize that, you know, one of our greatest problems is not what we have. It's simply how we neglect that which we have. How often we struggle and stumble and and flop along through life. And and this is all here for the taking. It's as if we have this unlimited bank account. And we carry around this book filled with withdrawal slips. And yet we live a life of poverty. It's here all the time. You, 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 you realize Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So would Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in other words, the reason I'm just drawing these simple truths to your heart is because I want you to realize that Anything the scripture says about the Holy Spirit have got to be, got to be dead on accurate. It's not like you could somehow have Paul praying for something for you and me tonight that is not true. That somehow Paul maybe is misunderstanding something about the Spirit. Maybe Paul's stretching this out a little too far. Maybe it's not quite as good as Paul says. He's under the inspiration of the Spirit Himself who is here declaring the reality of Him in us right now tonight that when you need strength, He is there to strengthen you. Right now, in any moment, He's there. And what is the goal of this whole prayer? What is the goal even of understanding? Maybe tonight, if some of you in this room were to right now recognize for the very first time in a very real and tangible way that you had grossly misunderstood the depths of Christ's love for you personally. 
what would that yield in your life? If right now your heart were blitzed by the Spirit of God within you and just pumped full of the reality of how much Christ loves you personally tonight. Because let's face it. There's some of us in this room who can walk through life and you can look around at all the people around you and you can see the 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 seeming reality of all the successes around you and the lack of that in you or whatever the case may be. There's some of you in this room that grew up in circumstances and situations where you were reminded on a regular, daily basis how inadequate you were, how unworthy you were, how you're just insufficient. Other people are better. And your tendency tonight in almost every situation in your life is to think that anyone else can do a better job of everything that you ever approach in your life. That's just your tendency. That's just who you are tonight. If your heart was flooded in this moment with the reality of Jesus Christ's great love for you personally, not anyone else in this room, you personally, if that happened to you right now tonight, what would be the response? What would happen? How would we know? What would, how would it manifest itself in your life? What would be different about you when you walked out of this room? He tells us right here. Look. Look down. Ephesians chapter 3. Look at the end. Look at verse 20. Here's what happens. He says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that which we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now to ding, does the light bulb come on? The power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know what he's just said? He said the reality... Of the love that Christ has for you personally. When that comes to bear on your heart. The response is that you are going to come to a place in your life. Where the power of God. Is in you such that. It exceeds even your ability. To imagine. That God works in you and around you beyond your ability to imagine. Now just think that through. Think of all that your imagination is capable of. Think of, think of how, how far you can imagine. And Paul says it's exceedingly abundantly above that which you're able to imagine. According to The power of God that works in us. The power that you call on in your time of need that strengthens your heart. Anytime, anyplace, anywhere. 
over and over and over, deeper and deeper and deeper. There's never any end. There's so many facets. Every time you turn it, there's a new, there's a new wrinkle. There's a new way. There's a new opportunity to the point where you continually just remind yourself and be strengthened by the Spirit and you just begin to see the power of God working around you in, in lives, in your life, in the circumstances that you're in. You see the hand of God working. It's beyond what you can imagine to where you find yourself saying, That is unbelievable. I could not have even imagined. I couldn't even imagine what God's done. Do you ever find yourself just utterly speechless at the power of God, at the grace of God, at the mercy of God? You see God do things in your life, in the lives around you. And you just say, I didn't see that coming. Some of you have been walking with the Lord in this room 50, 60, 70 years. You didn't see that coming. It's beyond your ability to imagine. when you feel low, discouraged, inadequate, when you open your eyes, you look around, all you see are the billboards that are just screaming out the reminders of your failures. All the things that you once thought God would do, All the things that you thought God said. But here I am. Wandering in the wilderness. As if you just forgotten me, Lord. Will it ever change? Will will they ever turn? Will they ever come to Christ? Will, Will I ever be able to understand... And God says, yeah, you'll be able to understand one thing. It may not be your situation. It may not be your circumstances. And it certainly may not be the way in which it's going to come to pass because oftentimes it's beyond your ability to imagine. But the one thing that you'll understand is how much Christ loves you. Just you, right now, tonight, exactly how you are. All your blemishes, all your failures, all your mistakes, all your shortcomings, all your weaknesses, all of it. It's exceedingly and abundantly beyond that which you could ever ask or think. According to the power that is within you. That is a good God. Let's stand. Bow our heads.
Father, we just want to come and respond in this moment, Lord, to oh, what do we say in light of the things that you declare to us, Lord? But certainly, salvation can at times seem as just utterly too good to be true. Lord, we we can find ourselves in a place of, of doubting our, our, our security in you, our position in you. We can find ourselves just reeling from the sting of disobedience and sin. We find ourselves just running from the good chastening hand of a loving father that's convicting us and out of fear and failure. We find ourselves in so many mixed up crazy situations. But God, the reality tonight that no matter where we are, no matter what's going on around us, no matter how dark it may seem, We can't run away from you. You're within us. And as your children, you've made available to us the empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit in our heart. God, thank you. Thank you for the reminder tonight of the personal love of Christ. God, give us all a burning desire to begin to just dive deeper and deeper and deeper, to just look with astonishment at the the facets of the love that Christ has for us personally, Lord, for the men and women in this room whose tendency is always to, to gravitate towards their failure, to hear the voices of other things other than you that have declared their failure. And God, replace it with the voice that always speaks truth. That says, I love you. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. That I died willingly for you. And that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Tonight, Lord, help us to just leave here changed by that truth. God, you're so wonderful. You're so good. Just give us these moments to to thank you and to glorify you. And to say, thank you, God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to come and kneel at the front and pray, come come on, the altar's open. If you want to just, just declare to God, thank you, Lord, so much. My heart tonight needs to be reminded of how much you love me. Because the hurt of this world, so oftentimes it it just seeks to cloud that out. Lord, we like Paul, we want to experience what we possess, Lord. Thank you.